your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? Do it to it, brother. Welcome to the Lutheran Stuff No Drama, No Drama Podcast. I'm Pastor Hoffman, and with me is Zach Lesher. Say hello, Zach. Hello, everybody. So today, I hope, I'm glad you're you're uh, tuning in with us. Thank you. We're always appreciative of that. What we've been going over here is First Peter, and we made it through verse 12. And so here we are into we're, we're going to be doing verse 13, First Peter chapter 1, verse 13 to the end of the chapter. There's a lot of stuff here, and as we said before, we're taking First Peter back uh, from the Reformed, and so we're we're. We're taking it back because they were plugging in works righteousness to it, and it's ridiculous. So, we're, I'm going to read, I'm going to finish out the reading the chapter, and we'll, we'll jump right in. So, starting with 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded... Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But also, as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially, according to each one's deeds, conduct, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last time for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and it is its glory like the flower of grass, the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Amen, amen, amen. Yeah, there's there's a little bit of meat on this bone we got here today. I don't know if people remember. Uh, let's let's just drop the bombshell first before we get into to the text. Peter is hitting on two again. Well, I mean, we, we want to read in context, so if, if everybody goes back to our our podcast on, on the beginning of chapter 1, uh, Peter keeps going on the whole Old Testament, New Testament switchover themes. Exiled, right? And, and Christ, the Lamb without blemish. Um, so he keeps touching on those themes, right? Oh, oh for sure. And the... Oh. It's to show the Christian, hey, the Old Testament is not irrelevant. 
you know, it, it did, it did, and it does what it functions to do, and that points you to Jesus. Well, and I think that continues to be the Bush League message, that the scriptures that we search and hoping to find life, where we're going to, what we're going to find in there is Jesus, and he is the way, the truth, and the life. So, yes, if you're getting bored of being pointed to Jesus, this is not the podcast for you. So um, we move back on here, especially to uh, to look over uh, preparing your minds for action and being sober minded. Set all your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So here we are, and people will will. I used to hear this a lot. We gotta we're we're, we're preparing our minds. We're preparing our minds, and we'll have. <laughs> We'll have like 10, 10, 20 minutes of preparing our mind and Jesus is not the focus of that preparation. Well, then that's really uh, that's really the problem. And being sober minded. Well, uh, that's not just a, a clever saying. It's like you should be thinking clearly here, not looking for, um, you know, kind of bizarre stuff and extra um, extra biblical things because. Our minds are, are, are prepared for action. They are sober-minded when our hope is set fully on the grace that will be brought to us at the, at the revealing revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, when you know who Jesus Christ is, when your hope is placed there, believe me, your mind is prepared. And, and what preparing your mind looks like, and, and what you said is spot on, is it looks like you sitting open with the scriptures or you sitting open with the catechism or the confession, and I'm talking to you, the, the audience. It looks like me sitting here with whatever theological tale I'm chasing to chase down Jesus in the text. Um, and, and with that, being a divine service, teaching your children, speaking, the words of God to them. Those words uh, prepare your mind. As Paul says in another place, he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind through Christ Jesus. So it's the word that renews us. Absolutely. Amen to that. And so really, we have to keep looking at the means by which God has given us, and one of them is the combined works of the apostles, the prophets, and all of them, and that is known as the scripture. We look at the other means in terms of sacrament, things like that, not just sort of uh, mystical things that we sort of conjure in our minds, but actually the things that he's given us to actually focus on. And again, here's the word, as obedient children, uh, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Okay, you know, what's really hard to do is when you are called away, when the Holy Spirit, as then I'm talking as somebody who knows, uh, when you are called by the Holy Spirit into faith, the day that I believed in Jesus, I still thought abortion was okay. I still thought that, um, you know, all these things that I thought were okay, I believed in Jesus, but I still had my old Adam, which had been driving the bus for so long that he wore this groove 
that the that the the preparing of my mind was was being distracted or taken away from my social justice god and pointed towards Christ. So that's that's one of the things when you talk about not being conformed to the passions of my former ignorance. Well, it took me a while to um to really reconcile uh what I thought was okay versus what Jesus says is okay. So yes, I was a Christian, but no, I was a I was a I was a theological train wreck at the same time. And thank you for confessing that um confessing forgiven sins is never easy to bring up but since you brought that up i want to make the point this is why we're not out to shoot everybody in the church and say they're a wolf because of things like this we want to engage in dialogue now the problem with with modern cultures dialogue says or disagreement says, rather, it says, well, you disagree with me, you don't like me, right? And and therefore, but no, you know, this is why we have to have open and honest conversations and come back to God's word and say, what does it say, right? So from the standpoint of, of you know, how do we treat somebody like that? Well, Paul, we, we did the thing on Galatians, you know, you who are spiritual, restore a brother uh, in the spirit of gentleness. So, and there's one more thing I want to say. The word as obedient children, since we're taking it back from the reform. We're, we're going to take out the word obedient and we're going to put it in as faithful children. Yeah, anytime you have the word obedient, you need to hear the word trust also. You know, when you tell your kids to do something, I mean, this is, this is this, the same way parents make wonderful kids is also the same way they mess them up is the kids trust them and they listen to them and they do what they say until they don't you know and then by that time the damage is often done or if you raised them up in the way you wanted them to go then that it's it's about trust they they love you they trust you uh they don't always you know my kids don't talk to me as an equal at the table, things like that. They do talk to me as subordinates, as people who are learners and they're learning from me, but um, they do they do things because they trust what I say. And so when we talk about obedient children, don't use this as an excuse to beat your chest, but see it as a, as a, as a humble thing. And so it's an act, and it's kind of hard, you know, and it's because people want a virtue signal. Oh, I am way more humble than he is. <laughs> <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, if you look at the word obedience and you feel cocky about it, then you don't understand obedience. It is, a, it is nothing short of, of a word of humility, and it's a fruit, it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Uh, when you trust in Jesus and when he says yes and you say amen, yes, Lord, these are all acts of God. And so there's nothing for us to pound our chests over on that. No, and, you know, that's the problem with some of the translative work, right? That that some of these words are just not as good as they, they don't really get the point across that they... The original text is trying to make not to not to undermine scripture in any way. It's to undermine language, um, you know. 
we, we all still get the point here, but just to clarify, you know, uh, people love to run to the words like this and say, look, like you were saying, and beat their chest. Look at my obedience. Instead, it's faithful, the faithful children. Right. And, if you, you know, you don't want to beat your chest over like, I am way more faithful than that guy. <laughs> Not, so. I'm I'm just more meek than everybody else. Yeah, I'm 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 like two thousand feet uh, high of meek, and so yeah, there's that's just madness. But you're, then again, you're only you're only like a thousand. Get on my level, bro. Yeah, exactly, and that's that is exactly how the old Adam works. How can I make what you just said about me? And so the you know. Um, um, but as as he who called you is holy. You also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Well, uh, so we have this calling of, of who is holy. The word of being holy is also to say set apart in his own category. And you shall also be holy in your conduct. Well, what is a, in, instead of walking around saying I'm better than you, you say that you do have a conduct that doesn't look like the world like it's it's something that is outside of the world and so when you're operating within those parameters to say that well i'm uh, i'm i'm behaving as one who is in the world but not of the world well wh the things that you do the way you behave doesn't look like the world it's not just self-serving that the world often is or even serving neighbors in order to raise themselves up. Since it is written, um, you shall be holy for I am holy. And wouldn't you know it just once again, Peter would quote the Old Testament from Leviticus. You know, <laughs> and, and when they're saying you shall be holy for I am holy, God is not saying here's your task. He's making a declaration. Um, I'm holy, you're mine, therefore you're set apart with me. So... That's yes, how God and, works. And, and, and let's uh, nail on that for a second because I know we have some um, Lutheran listeners. So you just define holy, and that's that's what holy is, to be set apart. So people might think you're strange. You know, in the context of what Peter's saying here is if, if someone sets out like a flesh buffet, they're like, why aren't you partaking in the flesh buffet? You know, I'm just talking about all kinds of impurities and sensualities, whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, because it goes against my faith, right? You know, that that's the context of being holy. They're going to look at you. They're going to judge you. They're going to think you're strange. And they'll probably say, I don't judge, when really they just totally judged you. Right. And the, the, the statement, I don't judge, is a judgment. Um, so, you know, let's not pretend that, that these things don't happen. Instead... You know, just be prepared and equipped for that. You're set apart. You're you're not of like you said before. We're we're in the world. We're not of the world. So, our our citizenship is in heaven, and and that's what Peter's talking about. Well, he's gonna get to the the point of talking about exile. So I'll wait till we get there. Well, yes, and and so he starts quoting to say, look, God has already defined us. Um, and so just so you know, it's another thing. It's always important to show that Jesus is not something that God, he wasn't some sort of afterthought 
but he has always been part of everything, always been the plan, always been the way. And Peter is quoting from uh, the Old Testament and, and he would choose Leviticus to say, here's how God talks. And look at this, look how it works in with how Jesus has called us to be as the Christ, the, the one chosen um, for us. And, and they say, and if you call on him as father, uh, as, a, as father who judges impartially, uh, according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. By the way, for all you antinomians out there, Peter's got a little something for you, too. <laughs> and so, you know, for them to say, hey, um, I think he guards against antinomianism very well to say, well, well, you know that God judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Well, fear is, um, is another way of saying respect. It is another way of saying faith as well. And, um, and so if you conduct yourself as one who, who is a God fearer is what they would call the, the Gentiles, for example, who would convert, uh, and they would say, well, this guy's a God fearer. So, um, and so he would say, make sure that what you're doing is in accordance with what we were just talking about as one who doesn't live according to your former ignorance. So I want you to know that that's what God is looking for. He's not judging you because you know, yeah, you're... That, that's right, spot on, you know, and, and that's the thing. I get asked all the time, well, you're, you're kind of weird because I, I am an odd duck, right? I, I'm a big construction working guy who lifts weights. And they're, they're like, why, why aren't you out, you know, being a bouncer, doing this or doing that? Again, I'm set apart, you know. There's some things that I don't do because, because of the faith and... And mostly what I do do, it's because I fear God and not men. So I don't want a virtue signal. That that wasn't the point of that. But that's kind of to give an example of the context that Peter's talking about here. So I guess I'll throw myself under the virtue signal bus just to uh, um, relay a, a kind of analogy of, of what's going on. Well, also, why not just, you know, instead of saying, well... How come you're not some collector for a teamster? You know, uh, stuff like that. I think that would even be to say that, you know, you could probably scare somebody to to pay uh, Vinny the knife what he owes him. And, uh, you know, and you're like, well, no, because I don't think that's what God has called me to do. I mean, physically, I could do it. But um, spiritually, that would be a sin. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example I get all the time. People say... You play professional football. And I say, no. And they say, why not? I say, I don't think it's wrong. I think it's great. I like football. But I don't think it's for me. I think I would get carried away with the money, the traveling, and then caught up in idolatry. And that's not something I really want to do. You know? So, well, well, yeah. And, and again, also safeguard yourself from what you... Yeah, I mean, if we safeguard ourselves where we know we're weak, you know, then then we'll be okay. Well, knowing your own uh, knowing your own limitations is a is a good way of saying, well, you don't want to test that. 
And so if you're saying, you know what, I don't believe that's for me. I'm not saying that it's wrong to be to have a lot of money because it isn't. But for some people, if you gave them a lot of it, they might uh, you'd say, well, I don't personally trust myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, right, let's be honest. Who doesn't like to tackle somebody and get a little rush off of that, right? So, sure. <laughs> I'd be out there as a Mad Hatter, just smashing people and letting the flesh go wild. Adam would have taken over the wheel. And then I'd be like, how did I get in this position? <laughs> you're, yeah, you're screaming, old Adam, take the wheel. But um, you have uh, but he also brings it home, though, in verse 18. He, you know, he's to keep the virtue signaling down, he says, uh, um, uh, according to one's deeds, you know, in time of exile, he says in verse 18, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers. Not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So so to keep you from virtue signaling, remember, when he's looking at how you behave, um, don't pat yourself on the back. What he's saying is, you know, you, you act this way because you got to remember uh, you're turning away from your old ways. You're turning away from your forefathers who were, were in, in this problem too. So instead of it being as an opportunity to virtue signal, he's being reminded that, no, this was actually a blessing from Christ that you would actually be put back on like the lost sheep. He's come for you. So you don't brag about it, you know, being that sheep, that one of the 99 going, yeah, I remember when I was, you know. And so it's it's important to be part of the 100 you don't brag about the being the one that got away. You you boast in that you have now been brought back. You've been brought I, home. I think Paul answers best when he, in Second Corinthians when he says, "I will boast in my weakness, so the power of God may rest on me." Right? Yeah. So, and then I want to point out this is Peter's next Old Testament reference: that of a lamb without spot or blemish. This is your Passover lamb, folks. This is your lamb without spot or blemish. The blood of the lamb saved the people by by being put on the doorpost. And uh, it was to be eaten entirely with unleavened bread. No hint at sacrament there. <laughs> uh, no, no bones to be broken. So this is his next Old Testament. Again, I love how Peter is just writing out, you know, the fulfillment of all this stuff here, right? Well, and that's a... By the way, for the Lutherans, you have to remember that it's very important for Lutherans to show you just how Scripture interprets Scripture. To show you that not only is, is it important that we're seeing it, but we didn't receive some revelation from a dream or something. We're doing what Peter's doing, for example. We're going back to what God has already said. He is... He's using the same defense that Jesus did in the wilderness and saying, it is written, and that is the answer. Instead of saying, you know, well, here's what I think now that I'm a leader in the church. <laughs> no, 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 don't do that. He is continually using the wilderness temptation and just keeps reminding us, well, it is written, it is written, it is written. And he keeps just quoting it. And so I... This is this is an important thing for 
uh, Lutherans remember. Maybe some of you non-Lutherans who have maybe uh, stagnated a little bit. This is a good reminder for you as well. And, uh, you know, don't blame me if you get a call from Frank to hit people tomorrow yelling at you uh, for <laughs> saying that about uh, uh, looking back at Scripture and not uh, at Peter, who they claim is the rock, right? Sure. So... Guys, for anybody out there, since I since I sidelined us, the rock is Jesus. It's <laughs> Peter's confession. So right. That, we're going to we're going to title this one "Take It Back to the Reform and from Rome." We're bringing it. We're taking it back from everybody, <laughs> <laughs> and we're putting it back in the historic church. We're not putting it in the Lutheran camp because there's no such thing as Lutheran in that sense. The only thing that's Lutheran is what the church has always said. So that's that's officially Lutheran. If there's a Lutheran and they're saying something new or different in that sense, it's not Lutheran. Yeah, I never I never got why people complain about an echo chamber. That's that's really what you want if the echo's right. Absolutely, um, um, and that's what's fun about the uh, Lutheran stuff. No drama Facebook group is it's a constant reminder that we uh, that we have a place where you can come. And say, yes, this is the true body and blood of Jesus Christ. And all 1,250 people will say, amen. And, you know, that's that's the kind of echo chamber because it, it's an echoing what Christ says. Um, or, in, or someone says, my son was baptized today. We all rejoice. Right? Oh, absolutely. I love hearing that. And I love hearing about spouses that are coming around and things like that. Yeah, it's, out, it's outstanding. Um and here we go uh, in verse 20 when, when this is what we're going to take this back. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Now here, here's something we need to know about foreknown. Um, when we talk about Jesus Christ coming, ministry, death, resurrection, we need to see this not as God knows who's saved and who's, who's burning. It's to say that um, Jesus Christ, the second person in the Trinity, the God made flesh, has always been a part of the plan. <laughs> so it's, this is the foreknowledge. Before the foundations of the world. So for those of you who think that Jesus came into existence on Christmas, that's not right. And so that's the, the incarnation is not the invention of Jesus. The incarnation is God becoming flesh. So we have this uh, wonderful promise here, which, you know, if you want to ruin everything, you go, oh, he just foreknew that Zach was going to be a Christian, so everything's okay. But in reality, he speaks more broadly to say that I want you to know that the, the plan of Jesus has always been the plan. Just so you know, since the fall in the garden, this is the plan. He said it to, he said it to Eve in Genesis 3.15. And this continues to be the plan in 2019. Well, and if you guys want to see Jesus before that, I mean, as John said, he's the word become flesh. So he's the he's the word come forth from the Father from eternity in the let there be light. And then again in Genesis 3, 
that's Christ who comes down in the form of a man to talk with Adam. So he's the, he is the one who always joins the creator in the creation. Outside of Christ, the second person of the Trinity, as you said, you don't have this magnificent creator-creation combination. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And it, it should remind us that when we you know, say God works in mysterious ways, this is one of them. And, um, and it's, and it's amazing. Uh, and so, but the, the thing that we get here is this word foreknown that gets people all hot, hot and bothered and excited. And no, the way you need to know, what you need to know here is that Jesus has been the plan. God is not doing something new according to like, um, the United Church of Christ and saying stuff like that. Um, nope, he's always been the plan, nothing new under the sun, and that's the way it is. Um, and now you know the rest of the story. I feel like Paul Harvey all of a sudden. Paul Harvey? Good day. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and when we talk about election and foreknowledge, and, and this is what really bothers me, is it it's written in the scriptures as a comfort to you, Christian, to say, hey, I believe this stuff, so I'm elected. That's cool. That's awesome. You know, in the confessions, they spell it out clear. Hey, we should handle this stuff as in still hearing the preach word, going to the sacrament. Otherwise, you have no clue if you're really elected or not. Um, so, but, I mean, it's written as a, as a comfort to, to the Christian when Paul talks about election, per se, in Ephesians 1. It's a comfort to you to know that, yes, you know, you, you are predestined because you believe this. It's not... And, and the Reformed, unfortunately, have ruined almost all the comfort in it by making a doctrine that's just not biblical out of it. No, and it, it's just meant to kind of sound smart. And it's not even really that smart, but it, it's, it, it really appeals to the old Adam to connect certain dots like this. And, and that's really the problem, is people that, you know, they want to... Um, uh, they want to, uh, you know, try to kind of go, well, here's what it sounds like. If you think this way, you can put it here. And isn't that super cool to know that this is, and you know, it's, that's just not how it rolls. And, and, and he says here, uh, oh, I lost my spot again. Uh, foreknown. Okay. Through him and our believers in God who raised him from the dead. Gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Don't have your faith or hope in that um, uh, he knows whether you're saved or not. Put your faith and hope in what God has said about it. Um, not looking at your works or things like that. Like when you say, well, I am baptized. This is the body and blood. These kind of things. You're looking at objective things that don't matter what your personal feelings are. And, and then he jumps into having purified your souls by the obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. So now we talk about being, this is another reason why we don't believe baptism wears off. <laughs> <laughs> because you know in baptism you you 
your nature changes from uh, I am baptized and uh, not I was baptized, but I exist in a universe that recognizes Christ in baptism and that baptism is for me. And so I now fall under the category of one who says, believe and be baptized. And you'd say, I am baptized. So that's really the thing is to say, are you baptized? I am baptized, not a wolf's baptized. You say, I am baptized. I am in that state of being. And uh, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty uh, amazing. I, I want to hit on two points. And when, when Peter says here, and gave him glory, that's a, an important thing to stop and pause and, and cross that with John 17 when Jesus says, Father, glorify me with the glory I have with you before the foundation of the world as I have glorified your name. And then go to Isaiah 42 where God says, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I give to no other. So it's clearly a, a show of divinity and what's happening in Jesus' humanity. This goes with the Philippians 2, the humiliation. So just a, a hat tip for your hermeneutical nerd. Um, you know, I would advise people to check that out because that's the kind of stuff that Jehovah Witnesses aren't expecting you to know. Um, and then... I would say that when he talks about the perishable seed and the imperishable seed, that's his next reference to Genesis 3.15. Now, Paul would say it like this, in Adam all die, in Christ are, all are made alive, right? Yeah. But Peter plays on the all, all men are perishable because of Adam's fall, but he's the imperishable seed promised in Genesis 3.15. That is outstanding. I mean, I love, I just love to hear this. Um, I'm a nerd. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's what, it's, it's, this is Bush League at its finest. Because for the people who aren't, aren't just sort of uh, sitting in the, the, the throne of academia, who are actually out there and they're, they're busting their hump from day to day and they don't have as much time as like I do to sit and study the scriptures for people who are saying, seriously, I'm in, I'm, I'm in need. And that, you know, that is a, that is, that is the point of the Bush League to go, we're here to give you the basics. You know, even in baseball, when you're in the Bush League, you are there to become amazing at what is, is expected in the majors. You know, um, to be a good bunter, to be a good hitter, to be able to see the curveball, you know. And if you're not ready to be there, uh, you shouldn't be trying to go hang out. And, and, you know, I think most of those advanced study groups are boring anyway. But, um, you know, you can sit there and talk about the, the genitive and things like that in the Greek. But what we're doing here is to say, look... Here's what Peter's saying. Don't don't be fooled by the world who wants you to think Peter is saying something else. Oh, man. And, and you know what? That's that's what it is, too. You read a lot, and, and what we just said, people will take 100 pages to say, and it's like, really? 
just cut to the cut to the chase and and what we want to do as as Lutheran stuff no drama as your your Bush League host is just give you what we have lay it on the table simply and and so so you're not intimidated by the word of God but you come to cherish it like like the church at, at large absolutely if we're if we're doing that then we've we've done what we set out to do we're doing what we believe is the right thing to do and that is to make sure that uh, Christians and and yeah we focus a lot on Lutherans um, but what what it means to focus on Lutherans is to say look guys we want to be those people that uh, where we, we exist where other people say that's a dumb question we say no it isn't and uh, we we exist in that place to say look we're not here to show off we're here to we're here to give you the straight stuff. You know what, and, and in saying that, and since we're close to the end, I will sideways us just for a second. When people say, I've heard it said in the past, that if you ask if a sin is sin, people say, oh, you're trying to self-justify. I find that to be a horrible thing to say to somebody who's asking. And I'll explain why. Because Paul says in his letters, he says, no sin has overtaken you that's common to that that is not common to any man. So the question that must have been parsed out in the letter to Paul was, "Hey man, we did some bad stuff, right? Is is this uh, right?" So that you have to ask, and and the scriptures teach us to discern what is good and what is evil. How are you going to do that if you don't ask and someone doesn't walk you through? The process of discerning good and evil, and, and, and explaining original sin and, and the like, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. And and so when you have this, you know, to to say, well, somebody's just trying to self-justify, is just another way of saying, look, I have some issues, and uh, you know, maybe maybe we're we're gonna let a thing be what it is, and call a thing what it is, and say this is a Christian who is trying to better understand the Lord and instead of, you know, because if, 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 if you ask me, like, I won't use any names, but the guy who came to, um, who came to my house tonight, he, uh, he dropped by, he talked to my spouse earlier and she told him to come by and, and uh, he did. And somehow, you know, since my email address is uh, christlutheran.pastor, he said, so you're a Lutheran? And I said, yeah. And he said, I heard. And he goes, no, I'm not, I'm not trying to get into a theological fight or anything. But I heard that Lutherans, you know, think that homosexuality is okay. And I, and I, and I said, you know what? This guy, okay. No, I'm not mad because he's confusing ELCA with Lutherans. And, um, and I'd say, well, and I explained to him that there is a church that it, um, it is. It has the name Lutheran in it, but it doesn't really hold to things that Lutherans believe. And so I and I said to him, you know, it's like when some evangelical goes on TV and everybody groans, and people say, "Well, that's what all evangelicals believe." And, and he kind of laughed and he's like, "Okay, okay, I get it." And so um, that's really what the point is. And um, but he was there and he was willing to ask a question. 
Um, because he thought he knew the answer, right? But he really didn't. And he, and he learned something new just by being, um, by being able to, um, to just ask. And so, and that is the whole point of this Bible study. If, if you're, if you've got a question, we'll answer it. And sometimes and, be and ready you know, for the was, answer to be. That was an act of love. That was an act of love from that guy to you because he wanted to make sure you weren't you weren't on your way to hell, right? Because you're you're calling evil good. He's confused on on what you really believe. Yeah. So I definitely I give him props, and uh, and he goes to a local evangelical church here, and and he he made a statement to me, and again it was deciding to put himself. Uh, in a vulnerable spot, but tell me, you know what? If it wasn't for Jesus, if it wasn't for my uh, church life, I don't think I would be where I am today. And I said to him, you know what? Amen. I'm glad to hear that. You know, it's glad to hear that where you're at in that place is 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 meeting those needs. And so that was the not the time for anything other than to say Amen to the good things of God that evangelicals understand, that Catholics understand, that Lutherans understand, etc., is that um, in God's house there are things that happen apart from felicitous inconsistency, <laughs> and, um, and so we can give thanks for that. I, I think that's awesome. I think that's awesome. And I've run into people at malls and stuff like that, other denominations, who ask, hey, do you know the Ten Commandments? And it is sad to see how many people don't. Um, but then, uh, you know, they run into me. Well, we start debating what the third really is and what the graven image means. <laughs> yeah. They wish they didn't at that point, but... Uh, Hey, they, they strike the conversation, you know, we'll answer. But in love, again, in love. it's And that's one of those things I, I, I guess I would be being a little bit nitpicky. Um, but, you know, if someone's going to place themselves in the preaching of the public, we want them to preach right, right? We want them to get everything right. So We do. Right. Graven image literally is an idol for, for, for uh, Lutherans who might have that question. So that goes under... Under the first commandment, and we we split coveting because in Exodus twenty, uh, they're not they're not numbered. So definitely. Um, okay, let's see. So I I hope I know this is, and we'll cover it. We'll cover this more, but um, you know, this is even because we're going to get to it here in a minute because we're almost through this section, but. There were some questions that people asked in the group that I thought were thoughtful, and and I think they're good Lutheran questions. It's something that we should uh, have no problem addressing and bringing people up to speed and putting us all on the same page. So we'll get to those in a second. But um, the next section here that uh, that Peter's going to quote is going to be from um, James and, and actually, but mostly he's going to be taking it from Isaiah. And um, he quotes this, and I think this is him once again saying, look, James has said this, you guys may know him, but also Isaiah, and I know you know him, <laughs> said this, all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers 
and the flower falls. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So everybody here is going to say, you know what, you guys, you're going to die. Um, and so everything that you accomplish on earth and everything, you're going to be amazing. You know, think of how much people love the President Eisenhower, for example. I'm just trying to pick somebody within the 20th century. Um, but now there's not a lot of us who really remember him and... Um, I'm certainly not old enough to and to say that that doesn't change that anything like that It's just to say that that kind of glory people don't wake up in the morning anymore and go woohoo Eisenhower Kennedy is president or whatever um, And so that kind of glory fades But and he says the grass withers and the flower falls, but then Kretzmann uh, by the way wrote a wrote a great uh, I mean Franzman wrote a great commentary and he gave it this title but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. And um, and so here's what, no matter what, no matter what your life was like, no matter what a big deal you are, maybe no matter what a little deal you were, <laughs> it's the word uh, is the good news that was preached to you. That remains forever. Take comfort in that. So... Um, for the people who think they're just nobody in this world, uh, take comfort that it doesn't, that doesn't matter. What matters is the word of God that was preached to you because that will endure forever. And for the people who are big shots, hey man, get over yourself. You, you're, you might be a big shot, but whatever glory that you have here like that is going to fade. But call you back to what your, your foundation is and it's the word of the Lord. Amen. And let's take that last statement and the word of the Lord, the good news that was, and and this word of the Lord, the good news that was preached. The word of the Lord that endures forever. Let's let's flip that glory statement for a second. Think about this for the long haul. That that church that you missed because of a baseball game or because of of whatever was going on, right? Oh, you know, we we, we were out of town vacationing again. I mean, you're going to have the occasional this and that. I'm not trying to be legalistic in that. But it's important that you go to church. Why? Because these words endure forever. God is giving you the eternal gift of life through these words and these sacraments. And you have to hear these words in order to receive that gift of God, the, the atonement of Christ applied to you by faith. When, the, when these words are spoken, the Holy Spirit is is working in you to sustain and keep and create faith. Well, abs yes. Um, this this sounds like you were uh, eavesdropping on my sermon uh, as far as the good things that God gives you and why we're here, why we're in the divine service, and why it's important. It's not to show the pastor, hey, look at me, I never miss church. It's to to be in a place where Jesus says, hey, sinner type person who I have re rescued, I give you good things. And in the fellowship of of the brethren, which you shouldn't put off doing anyway. And so there's there's plenty of points to be made on that. And certainly this is what's going to endure forever. Like that one uh, Facebook meme, there's a 0.02% chance that your kid is going to grow up to be a professional athlete. But there's a 100% chance 
that your kid will stand before Jesus on the last day? Uh, you know, it, it, this gets to the significance of teaching your children. My kids are as sharp as, as a tack, man. You know, I got, they, they my son, uh, I mean, both of them, my daughter, they're just, I'll ask them questions and I'll make them parse it out. You know what I mean? I'm like, no, I want more specific, more specific. And they'll, they'll appease me and, and they have all these answers and, and, they have them all from God. You know, every time that, that we do catechism, we, we pray, we ask that God would keep these words on our hearts and minds all the time, and that we would live by them. Yes. So. Amen. So, as we look uh, beyond this, by the way, I love this section. I think we did a good job of putting this, this book back into historical Christianity where it belongs. And... Um, but also, as we look at, um, for those of you listening, Zach uh, posted to put your questions, and, and there's a few questions, and we decided that we were going to go by some of the ones that have the most likes on them, because people were going, yeah, that's a good one. And I think there's one that, um, I think that David Myers asked that I thought was pretty good, because it, I think it follows under what Peter was talking about. How can we share the gospel with others, even though we are poor examples of being Christian? Well, there's this one here. We'll do a little bit of unpacking because um, you basically have to ask, well, if we're going to share the gospel uh, and without, you know, you don't just say everybody, but who specifically needs the gospel? It isn't, it's, it is, it's people who are, are broken and crushed they're sinners that they are they're fallen they're messed up the law has crushed them they need they need um uh peace they need jesus and so when you say even though we are poor examples of being christian well being christian i want you to make sure that you clearly understand that um being a christian doesn't mean that you are uh the best example of everything it means that you are broken and you are fallen and the law has crushed you as well and you know where the good stuff is so sometimes sharing the gospel is to say you know what i want you to know that jesus christ for what you are complaining about here he died for that and i would love for you and and do do what um do what Andrew did and said, look, I know where Jesus is. Let me take you there. And you bring him, you bring him to the house of God to hear this gospel to them. So we share the gospel and, you know, sometimes for people who are, are, are just hearing the good news, sometimes somebody who um, has got their own bruises and got their own scars and they're saying, you know what, I, I, I was lost and now I'm found. And, and they may have an eye patch or a scar here and there. And, and so when you, when you think you're a poor example, well, don't worry about that. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying don't actively blow off what you've heard, but don't, don't feel that you have to be good enough to give what Jesus gave freely. <laughs> So you don't you so I'll 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 throw in my 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 two things on that is is let's we're listening to Peter 
right? And we're listening to Peter preach the gospel, and we're we're actively listening. Um, but let's look at Peter. Uh, Jesus says, "Get behind me, Satan! For you do not have the things of God on your mind, but the things of man." He's terrified at everything Jesus does because he has no trust, or very little, I should say, not no. Um, he denies Jesus three times. So if we're, if we're going to talk about a poor example, I mean, this is Jesus' point, is he takes a poor example like Peter or Saul and, 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 and changes Saul to Paul, who now is going to go out and he's going to be a different person because he's not holier, but now he has a different belief. He yeah. has a different faith, and he's teaching a different thing. And he's not pointing to himself, but he's pointing to Jesus. That That's what it is. And then the second thing of what I'm going to say is what that actually is when somebody says that. It's called a tuque, or an appeal to hypocrisy. And it's a logical fallacy. It's like me saying, Pastor Augman, you told me how to drive. Uh, you taught me how to drive, but since you got a speeding ticket, you must not know anything about driving. Therefore, I shouldn't listen to anything you said. <laughs> right? That is a logical fallacy. So if you want to go the shorthand route, you can say, well, that's a two-quit. That's a logical fallacy. So it's already inconsistent because everyone's a hypocrite. I hate to break it to you. When someone says, well, all church is is a bunch of hypocrites, I say, yeah, and we have room for one more. Come on. Yep, I learned I learned that from my elder in Alaska when his buddy told him, uh, you know, I, I don't go to church because it's full of hypocrites. And he goes, really, you should go to mine. And he says, really? And he goes, sure, we've always got room for one more. And I thought, man, that is, that is, you know, because it's okay to just say, look, I know I'm not, I know I'm broken. Uh, you, you have to understand, I don't, uh, I don't come here... To show off how righteous I am, I'm here because uh, I actually need this stuff, and I'm just being honest about it. Yeah, well, and that's and that's just it is, and, and we want to do this in gentleness too. So if somebody does catch you doing something poorly, and you are poorly misrepresenting the faith, let's say you're having a bad day, and you know you you have an outburst of anger at somebody. And somebody sees it, they're like, see, I thought you were a Christian. The right thing to do there is not double down and say, look, jerk, I had a bad day. The right thing to do is say, you know what, I'm sorry. And that's that's not the way that, that my Lord wants me to represent him. Please forgive me. And then maybe that opens up an avenue to have a conversation. Yeah, I, I also want, yeah, I want people to know that um, I am not, uh, I'm not preaching me. Uh, otherwise that would be a lame gospel and so when I preach I'm preaching Christ and him crucified for losers like me so that's that's really the difference I think we got time for one more question what do you think I think we got one more question here too that I think uh, where is it in no drama Lutherans um, all of a sudden my internet decided to be like Okay, so here it is. And finally, finally we made it back. There was the other one there that a lot of people had likes on, and we're, oh, there it is. Um, Whitney writes, and and I think this is important that we should um, we should address this. 
Uh, Whitney writes, with the Beth Moore controversy going around, I keep seeing some version of this statement. If God saves a person, his or her homosexual desires will go away. I'd love to hear a Lutheran take on this as it relates to the simul. And as a related topic, a discussion of sanctification would be great too. Well, um, since we're Bush League, we don't have to go and talk for two hours on this. Um, the truth of the matter is, Beth Moore, uh, she's a heretical pastor, calls herself a pastor. She has no business being a pastor. She has very popular Bible studies. Um, and I will say this to her credit, she is very engaging. She has um, a very kind of folksy or kind of uh, approachable way about her. And so I can honestly, after watching a couple of her Bible studies, I can sincerely understand why somebody is watching this. And um, she in the past has spoken against, um, she has spoken against homosexuality in the sense that it is considered to be sinful by God's word in this and up now recently she has she has flippy flopped on that and said well you know I mean you know I don't want to come off as being judgmental and blah 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 okay so that's not the point of the question though so I'm not going to go into that very deeply it's just Beth Moore flip-flopped um, now if God saves a person his or her homosexual desires will go away well that isn't actually um, anything that's promised as far as this goes is to say that if you're broken in some way um if i'm an alcoholic if i'm if i've got anything that is a damaging thing um uh i'm not going to i'm going to see it for what it is i'm gonna as a christian i'm gonna learn to see it for what it is if i have a problem i'm not gonna pretend it's not a problem so it doesn't mean the desires go away it means that they're calling on Jesus to give them help in their brokenness. So if we start looking, you know, it's totally in, uh, politically incorrect and the thought police might come after me for saying this. But if somebody um, who happened to be homosexual, gay, whatever, and they said, you know what, uh, I don't believe that this is what's, what's right. I think the scriptures pointed out. And I would ask God to help keep me away from this. Um, that's that's okay. It doesn't mean the desires went away. It means they're trying to manage it. And so I would never expect that person to say, well, now I'm going to get married and I'm going to have kids. They'll spend their lives saying, okay, um, I'm just going to live my life and I'm not going to give in to my desires for this. And, and I've met in my life people who are homosexual but ultimately, they know that the, the best way to describe them is they're a baptized sinner. And so they have hope. And so um, they're, they're refraining from things that keep them away from Christ. And so and it, it's not that complicated if you're straightforward and honest about it. I'm not saying the process of living that, of living and asking for that strength is, is not complicated. It is. It's very complicated. And, and because your old Adam is saying, go for it, and your new man in Christ is going, no. And, and so as it relates to the symbol, this, isn't, this, this is an interesting thing to say that, you know, somebody who is redeemed is also broken. And I'm not just saying this for gay people. I'm saying it for people who have any proclivities to anything that is not entirely God-pleasing. So keep that in mind. And, and um, 
so you know this is where it works with you're not asking you know becoming a christian isn't going to make you all of a sudden uh heterosexual or i'm going to get married and everything like that but it may make you understand that well while i may not ever be attracted to a woman i am not going to i'm not going to um continue in the act of 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 of, uh, of, of this acts with somebody with a man or if it's a woman with another woman something like that i hope i didn't go off too far on that but i am just trying to be kind of straightforward and clear on it yeah you were it was very uh, uh detailed and what i would say is absolutely not the desire is not going to go away what what changes is is you no longer put your hope in that thing your hope is no longer in being a homosexual your hope is now in jesus right and, and it's it's your hope for what? It's 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 your hope to not be a homosexual in the resurrection, or an adulterer, or a glutton, or a thief, or a murderer. Right. That's the thing we have to keep in mind. Is is we, we throw out the word homosexual a lot uh, in this in this modern age, and I understand why. I mean, it is getting more prominent in culture. So I guess, but I just want to be fair to all sins, and I, I'll, I'll tell you. No, my desire to be a murderer has not gone away. It's just been kept more in check, and um, my hope has changed from from being a murderer to to uh, wanting to please Christ and finding a hope and, and, and a comfort in the fact that one day I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be a murderer anymore. Yeah, that's that's absolutely it. For everything that your old Adam says, go for it. Believe me, um, if you're if you're struggling with anything like this, understand that for all Christians, we do have a daily struggle, and um, and for one of them, for people who have a struggle that happens to be very politically charged and very socially popular and you're you're getting a lot of people telling you some conflicting things and for that i'm i'm truly sorry but also for anybody who really you know if you ever want to talk about it or something feel free to contact me um through the group or whatever it's it's something to say that i don't want you to think that that lutherans think this is a special sin or something like that because it's not it just happens to get a lot of press so we have to deal with it in terms of getting a lot of press. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and, and so in sanctification, you know, I, we can't outdo what Peter already did. Walking in the ways that God has given to us is really what sanctification, this, this life of being set apart and not doing things that say, oh, yeah, obviously he's of the world. No, um, you're called to live a life that that looks like you have been set apart with Jesus. And that includes when you sin, a life that looks like it's one that's set apart is one that confesses these sins, repents of them, not does everything perfectly. But when when uh, somebody who's been set apart, sanctified, uh, falls into error, the natural thing to do is to repent that's somebody who turns away from that and is it's turned towards the Lord and said, you have said yes and I've said no and I'm sorry, forgive me. That's part of that. So we can't forget about that. 
Well, and I want to touch on that before I move on to sanctification. I just I flipped to Galatians five sixteen real quick, and I'm just going to read real quick. When I say spirit, and you find the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, and here's the key, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Now, Paul's writing to Christians saying you want to do these evil things, right? This is why you need to walk by the Spirit. So that's just a proof text for us to show you, hey, no, these things don't go away. What happens is you, you have a different hope. But, yeah, under the sanctification, um, we want to remember that sanctification is monergistic still. God is doing the sanctifying work. Now, there, there's a cooperation with the Holy Spirit after regeneration, but I call it, I've, I've made up my own term, it's synergistically monergistic still. Yeah. So, like, I, I drive to church, right? That's, that's the synergistic part. I'm driving to church, which means I'm cooperating with God. The Spirit's calling me. I'm taking the call to go to church. I'm still not doing anything to sanctify myself, though. Well, in, yeah. in church, where the sanctification happens through the Word, through the sacraments, through God serving us, that we are sanctified. So the only thing I really did is, is I used my regeneration not to block the Spirit. Well, certainly. I mean, a trailer cooperates with a truck. It's got wheels and everything, but it's it doesn't just get up and decide to haul something someday. It's something that's that the the driver is saying this is the right way to go. I realize you're on wheels, but you need to get over yourself. Uh, <laughs> so you know, and and Zach is just telling everybody here that he understands that he knows who he works for, but he's really got his he's really gotten over it as far as trying to pat himself on the back. He's too muscular to pat himself on the back anyway, but he's he's not trying to pat himself on the back by going. Look at me, I'm a trailer. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important to add, too, that, that, that there's a great danger in the church today. What I see is people separating sanctification from justification. And when you do that, you've just ruined what real sanctification is. Sanctification and justification can never be separated. It is only through justification that I'm sanctified. Now let Pastor Hoffman uh, finish us off and then take us out on that. Well, you're, you're right, because again, if you're trying to, if you're trying to kind of process theology things to go, well, now I've been justified, and now the goal is now that I, I need to show God how thankful I am for all of this sweet, sweet justification, you know, I mean, it's just boring, and so I'm just saying that, you know, being set apart your justification is what sets you apart. And as you come to learn who you are as a Christian, that walk that you do isn't, your, isn't you deciding to follow Jesus. It's you going, hey, Jesus is over here. That's where I want to be. And so that's where your new man is going, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And so, yeah, I definitely I agree with that. Well, I'll tell you what. You know what we have here is another another Bush League extravaganza in the can. 
it was another awesome opportunity to to be and to study with you all i hope you are following along in the lutheran study bible and that you, this has been a blessing for you for the people who asked those questions thank you keep them coming because you help enrich this show by saying well i would like to learn more about this so until next time this has been pastor hoffman for zach lesher saying god bless your week <laughs>